Good morning. I'm really excited to see, I mean, I was told that usually after Thanksgiving, the following Sunday, it's really, church is not really crowded. Boy, the seats are packed over here. It's so good for us to be back in the house of the Lord, to be able to glorify and worship the Lord. I'm really sin- deeply thankful to the Lord and to the church for your continued prayers and support that you do for us and our work and our ministry in northern India, in Kashmir. Having been given the time, I'm going to stay within the time, and uh, I'm sure this is going to be an encouragement. I'm not here to preach, but mostly to give you a report of what God is doing back in India and how lives are being changed. If you do remember, last year when I was over here, I did mention to you regarding the rising persecution that's going on in India and uh, the churches that have been destroyed. 2018 was a very challenging year for us. Churches as a whole all over India, nationwide, they're praying for the next election that was coming up in 2019. We'll be praying most probably maybe this government will not come back because of the rising persecution that's been going on. India, which stood at place 40 in the international watch list on persecution, rose up to place 10 as of today in the international watch list of persecuted churches around the world in place 10. And uh, the nationwide people were praying, Lord, we want to really see that a new government come up and this persecution would come down. A lot of prayers, fasting and praying around the whole country was going on. 2019 May elections results got in and the same old government got back voted in. And uh, we did not know what was happening, what was going on, but we said, no matter what happens, we will still stand firm for the gospel. We will proclaim the love of Christ in the midst of all of this when they got voted back. From the last two years, church, the reports I'm giving you, as of today till September, in just the past two years, over 600 churches that have been destroyed, over 490 pastors that have been beaten up, thousands of believers that have been driven away from churches, 12, close to about 12 pastors who lost their lives. In the midst of all of this, a thing, what is going to happen to the evangelization of the gospel back in India? But one thing for sure we knew, God had called a church when I give these reports. I'm not standing here to gain sympathy or feel sorry for us. We know as we look down through the church history, all down through the ages, right from the Roman Empire, thousands and thousands of people who laid down their lives for the sake of the gospel, people who stood firm for their faith, No matter what happens, life or death, this gospel will be preached. Church, in the midst of all of this, I want to tell you, North Point Church, I stand here to say thank you for believing in us. Thank you for standing behind us in prayer. Thank you for your prayers, your supports, your generosity that you've extended because of which the Lord has done great things. 
with all this persecution that's been going on, uh, one wonderful thing that's happened is a unity in the body of Christ has come about in the whole country of India. As of today, what has happened in the churches in India is, it's not about what's going to differentiate us in what we believe, our theologies and doctrines. What's going to unite is, us is, not on what we believe, but on whom we believe should matter in these last days. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And salvation is through none other than Jesus only. We decided we're not going to give a watered-down version of the gospel. We're going to be str strong. We're going to be firm. We are going to be bold in proclaiming the gospel. Yes, we're going to use the wisdom of God. Yes, we're going to be careful of how we present it, but there is no watered-down version of the gospel. We will be true, we'll be firm to tell them Jesus loves you. What is right and what is wrong, a clear distinction has to be brought out. We are not going to compromise in these days. With all the negativity said on one end, the persecution, churches destroyed, pastors beaten up, people who've lost their lives, thousands of believers driven away from the churches. Church, last year, first week of December is when I went back from here, back to India. From December till September of 2019, the reports of just the last 10 months. When I went back, I've often told you, we do our Christmas outreach. Christmas is not the four walls of our churches. Christmas is for the non-Christians. They need to know why Jesus came to the earth. Why, did he, why was he born in that little manger in Bethlehem? When I went back, 15th of December, all the way till 25th, we have five to six programs every day. When I went back and I said, with all the persecution going on, we didn't know whether doors were going to open up, whether people were going to welcome us or not. But we went and approached the schools and colleges, universities, prisons, army camps. And they said, oh, sure, please do come. They, they, do you have your dances? I said, I dance. <laughs> uh, you got Santa Claus? I said, we've got all of that. Just open the door, we'll come and do. You would not believe just in December 15th till the 26th of December. We had done close to about 45 events and 45 programs and close to over 45,000 people were reached with the gospel during Christmas season. Just last year. Amen. Right on 24th evening, right on our open grounds, right in the open ground, we had close to about 5,000 people gathered together, all non-Christian people who came just to hear the message of Christmas. Following that, we had the New Year's service. And after the New Year's service, we had the Good Friday service. 1,500 people gathered for that from the army, from the Air Force and civil government services. People came in. Easter we take out a peace march through the whole city of Udumpur holding white flags. We said, this may not be the right time because of all the persecution going on. But we said, if we back out now, it's going to give them a wrong signal. Again, April of this year, we had 2,500 people join in for the Easter Sunday service, following which we had the peace march through the whole city holding white flags. Jesus is alive. He's risen came back, by God's grace, no untoward incident happened. Following that, we had the vacation Bible school in the month of June. 
And again, these kids are all from non-Christian homes. And we said, whether we do the banners, we hand-built them, whether we really do those or not. But we said, we're going to do it. We sent them in that posters, hand-built banners, you know, uh, it, the title of the whole thing was Children's Festival. That was how it was put up. We had over 480 children come and join in the Vacation Bible School, where close to 92% were all from non-Christian backgrounds. And in the 10th day of that Vacation Bible School, we had close to about 225 children give their lives to the Lord and ask for prayer. Amen? Following that, church, we went all the way to Leh Ladakh at 14,500 feet, where Pastor Danish and his wife Tabitha working. And you as a church have been mainly supporting the family right on the Tibetan border. I've shared the vision, the long-term goal with our dear pastor. And I said, Pastor, right on the Tibetan border is Pastor Danish and his wife, Tabitha, who are working over there. And they've been working there for the last seven years. And they've gone through the altitude, sickness, two major accidents, sickness, children falling sick, husband falling sick, wife, one after the other. But they said, no matter what happened, the wife was discouraged. She said, you know what? I think we need to go back. He said, sure, why not? He got her tickets and said, you can go back. I'm not going back. She still stayed back. Today, after seven years of the ministry and the work over there, close to over 75 people are today worshiping pastor over there. Church, we've got something to rejoice from the Tibetan and the Buddhist background. With 75 people give their lives to the Lord. And just last year, we had the first seven baptisms in that region. Amen. Seven years, seven baptisms, that's all. One soul to per year. Church, you and I can never put a number and a prize on any of these souls because the Word of God says there's great rejoicing up in heaven over one sinner that comes to know the Lord. It's been amazing. We went right there where 150 Buddhist kids gathered together. We did a vacation Bible school over there for them, a youth activity. We had a women's fellowship all in one week that we did over there by God's grace over 35 of the children over there in Lelvak gave their lives to the Lord and accepted Christ as their personal Savior. Amen. In a nutshell, in these last 10 months, the reports that have come from our mission fields, right from the Tibetan border down to Burma, as I've told in the past, and those who are new may be hearing first time, right from the Leh Ladakh, the Tibetan border down to Burma, throughout the Himalayan belt, we have over 500 churches with over 490 pastors who are reaching out with the love of Christ in those interior places where no one wants to go. The last 10 months of reports, 1,500 people have given their lives to the Lord and over 485 people have been baptized and 12 new churches have been established. Amen? Hallelujah! I know we are all full with the Thanksgiving meal and turkey is still alive in the belly. 
Well, I guess we want to wake up because we've got something to rejoice. Church, it's not about me. It's not about our work. It's not about our ministry. What God is doing in different parts of the world. As Pastor was saying today earlier, it's not we want to, you know, as a church, you want to put a footprint in different countries around the world. And God is bringing about a difference. North Point, you are making a difference in that part of the world. Now, that was just my introduction. One good thing, I don't have my watch, I don't have my phone, and I don't know where I'm going. And great, this church doesn't even have a timer behind. Man, the day's with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 35, 38, and 39 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I'm convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ our Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Why? Because He loved us with such a great love. He gave His very best. He deserves the very best when we give our very best to him, church. In one of the oldest Islamic universities in Malaysia, where 98% of the student body were all Islamic students, there was a professor who was the only Christian, and his name was Living Lee. And he was a geologist at the university, and that, that university, Ahmed did that. The Muslim scholar, renowned Muslim scholar from South Africa, had come, and he was in that college, in that university. He was very vitriolic and hostile in everything he had ever said. Came to that university and lashed out on Christianity. And Professor Lee sat the whole time listening to what he was saying and thinking, what was he trying to prove? What is this man trying to say? Talking about Christianity being unlivable and nonsensical. During the Q&A time, Professor Lee raised his hand and told Professor D that, I am a Christian, and why do you say that my Christian faith is unlivable? Ahmed D that said, come up over to the stage. And he called Living Lee up to the stage. He was the only Christian professor in the whole university. He took his hand as far as he could and slapped one horrific slap across his face. And Professor Lee's face turned red, and his knees were shaking. And just as he was composing himself, that said, Now you are supposed to show me the other cheek. At that time, Professor Lee said, God, I really need you. And tilted his head to show the other cheek. And suddenly, Professor that, the Muslim scholar, backed up and he said, Let's make this a little quicker. He said, I want you to remove your shirt. And so Professor Lee gave him a shirt. And as he did that, he said, well, you're supposed to give me your trouser too. Professor Lee, being a professor on campus, he turned to his colleagues and students and said, please forgive me, but I'm going to do what he has asked me to do. Professor Lee finally was standing there, literally in his underwear. And later he turned and walked back to his office with his shirt and trouser in the hand of Professor Ahmed Didat. 
In his office, Professor Lee was literally crying with pain on his face, but at the same time thanking God for giving him the strength to endure it. Suddenly, there was a knock at the door, and as Professor Lee opened the door and looked outside, there was a lineup of students, every one of them, 90% of the Muslim audience that were there in front of him, but standing there, the whole student body waiting to literally get down on their knees and beg his forgiveness for what was just done to him. Love triumphs over hate. You see why? Hate destroys the hater before it destroys anybody else. Love has conquered the proclivities within the human heart and ultimately conquers the outside too. That's why Napoleon said, Alexander's kingdom and my kingdom will come to an end, but not Christ. Because we conquered with weapons, but he conquered with love. Living Lee saw the possibility of living a testimony in that university as the only Christian professor. My dear brothers and sisters, this morning I'm going to ask you, we just had Thanksgiving together. Are we thankful just for friends and family and food and home and clothing? We've got so much to be thankful to the Lord because he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, into the world who died on the cross of Calvary for you and for me, reminding ourselves, Lord, thank you for sending your only son, Jesus, into the world, that we were not worthy of this. We were on the way to eternal fire, but he loved us with such a great love that he gave his only begotten son. In the midst of all of this persecution, I'm going to close with these two stories. One of the pastor was dragged out, taking the morning Sunday service, dragged out of the church, beaten, bruised, bleeding, in a very bad condition, literally unconscious. And his wife was brought out of the church and publicly molested. Another situation where another pastor was beaten up from his home, dragged out of the house, and his wife was brought out and stripped naked and paraded in the whole village. Matthew 5, verse 10 and 12 says, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all sorts of lies about you. And then it goes on to say, Rejoice, for great is your reward up in heaven. Just for a minute. I praise God for the worship, but for a minute I'm like thinking, how am I considering myself blessed when my wife was just stripped naked and paraded through the whole village? Rejoice, for great is a reward up in heaven. Church, I'm a mission leader with nearly close to 500 close churches with over 490 pastors underneath me. I know we are going to stand and suffer no matter what happens for the sake of the gospel. There's no backing out no matter what happens. They somehow want to put fear in the hearts and lives of people. But these are families. These are people with men and women and children, the teenage kids saying, Daddy, why? Why, Daddy? Why do we have to continue? Two weeks later, the pastor came out from the hospital after all the medical treatment and everything. He and his wife 
the wife that was stripped naked in the whole village. They continue to work in that same village, still proclaiming the love of Christ. He still has to go to the market. He still has to go down to the store. He and his wife still go visiting homes and families and praying for people. Where people are stand, look, standing around, looking around. Oh, that's the one. In the midst of all of this ridicule and shame, they're saying, we will stand firm for the sake of the gospel. They could have moved out some other place, but I know it's not because of the support that we're giving them. It's not the financial help. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, the call and the vision that God's given them, they are going to stand firm for the sake of the gospel. Church, what I'm trying to say is, each one of you families, as you in your homes, you might be praying, you have prayed, you as a church have stood behind us with more than 15 plus years. You've stood behind us and prayed and supported our work. Your prayers have not been in vain. As these pastors continue to be bold in the midst of the worst situation to still proclaim the gospel. Daddy, why? Teenage kids asking, Daddy, why? Son, we are going to be thankful to God. We are grateful that we've been found worthy to suffer for the sake of the gospel. And that the father could stand there and sing. When we see Jesus coming in glory, when he comes down from his home in the sky, then we shall meet him in that bright mansion. We'll understand it all by and by. Further along, we'll know all about it. Further along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my children, live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Children, great is our reward up in heaven. We will stand firm. We will stand true. We can't understand why, but there comes a day when we'll understand why it is. Pastor Jim, thank you so much, all the elders in the church. Each one of you, thank you for your love, your prayers and generosity. Continue to pray for us as we continue in the work that called, God has called us to, that no way we will back out. Please pray for the pastors that they will remain strong. They will remain. I'm not wanting to pray that the persecution may be less, the persecution may back out, but let me tell you one thing, that they will remain strong to proclaim the gospel no matter what happens. We have a little write-up on our ministry, some more stories. They're on either side of the church, Please take a copy of that. You can read, get to know more of our stories as you continue to pray and support our work. Thank you and God bless. I want to come on. Oh, yeah. You know, I listened to Pastor Santosh, and what I realized is that how difficult with Holly and I traveling through the places we've gone, how hard it is for you to really identify if you've never gone into these countries and seen the type of persecution. But I said, you know, one of the things that really spoke to me that, that brought it into reality was that when you're talking about 75 people on the border, 
75 doesn't mean so much to us because we have here what I term easy believism. But the reality is, is that when you're talking about a person in that culture accepting Jesus Christ, what you're saying is, and I look here and I see all the families together, and a lot of y'all spent time with your families over Thanksgiving. For one person in that family to accept Christ in a culture like that, it's not just about persecution. What you're doing is having to accept the fact all of the people that you love, all the people you've loved in the past that have gone on, according to what we believe, are probably going to hell. It takes it a lot deeper. It's not just about what you believe. It's about what all you've lost. So the price is so much higher than what we realize here in the United States, for sure. So when you hear someone speak of another soul that's been saved, don't look at it as a number. Look at it as a total sacrifice. And just know and pray for and thank you for what you're doing over there and the persecution we know that you're going through and the people you love. But I just wanted and just felt a need that maybe you, this, would might, this might make it a little clearer to you of the price that's paid in these other places. Amen. Yeah, tremendous prices paid. And I'm glad you mentioned the Himalayas. And le, how do you say it? Levla? Levla. It's, it's, uh, it's the highest point in the world. Top of the world, they call it. And um, I'm reading a book now about a, about a man that uh, ministers to the to the Himalayas, and, and uh, most of where he travels is the 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 people have never even heard of Jesus. And when you speak of Jesus, they they think it may be somebody in the next village. And so, it's tough. Like Scott said, it's a whole different different ball game. I mean, it's a, it's 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 Hindu and and it's um, Buddhist and. Uh, and it's a whole different ball game, but you know it's it's a it's getting pretty tough here in a lot of ways. And um, the encouragement that I got from from Pastor Santosh is is to stand firm. You know, stand firm. You know, we're gonna we're gonna face the opposition here, also. You know, I. I, some of you guys know. I, I'll, I'll just put this out there. We, when we were uh, talking about doing the Potter House, I had people come to the diner. I had a man come to the diner, and they just didn't want it there. And we're we're going to go to our local government, and uh, you know, it was once a week they would come by. And they would kind of jump on me about it, and. And uh, I finally just told him I was in. That's why I was encouraged by your word. I said every time we've ever tried to do something for God, we have faced opposition. I said so. I'm no stranger to it. So you go ahead and do it. I'm done arguing. And so opposition is here too. It's up to us to stand firm our families and our neighborhoods and our schools at work 
We're to stand firm. Or our freedom and our way of life is not going to be. So be encouraged, church. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for a word that you brought from the top of the world. For us to stand firm. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.